Hi, everyone. My name is Ali Wine. I'm a non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council and really thrilled this morning to be joined by my friend Rachel Esplin Odell, who is an international security fellow at the Belfer Center and a research fellow at the Quincy Institute. And I wanted to dive right in, uh, in particular using as a, a point of departure an op-ed that you and Stephen Wertheim wrote in the New York Times dismay that got a lot of attention. And I wanted to quote a line from that piece, and, and maybe we can we can anchor our conversation in that quote. So the two of you write, quote, going abroad in search of monsters to destroy won't save Americans from pandemics, but it does risk entangling the United States in a cold war with the world's number two power, end quote. And what I wanted to ask you is, do you think that the United States and China have crossed that Rubicon and entered into a new cold war? And if so, what steps might they take to pull back from the brink? Yeah, thanks, Ali. So, you know, I think clearly the first point is that whatever we're in right now, it's not like the old Cold War. Um, and I mm -hmm. think that that in and of itself is a reason why, you know, we haven't necessarily uh, reached a point of no return. I do think that the current administration is pursuing a strategy. And um, I would say not just the current administration, but the sort of current uh uh, power balance within the administration. I don't think this has necessarily been the approach all along, but certainly um, in the midst of this pandemic, what's become the dominant approach is one of more uh, of essentially a Cold War style approach on the U.S. side, where we're treating the relationship as one of sort of hostile ideological confrontation and uh, confrontation across all pretty much all domains of the relationship. So, you know, to the extent that you define a Cold War in that basic sense, I think that that's certainly the way the United States government is, is currently approaching it. But I don't think that that's the approach that China, you know, is interested in taking. And I don't think that the United States uh, foreign policy establishment or American people are necessarily wholly committed to that. And I also don't think the rest of the world is really interested in it. So I think these are some key differences, the last Cold War, that will be they'll make it possible to step back from that brink. And yeah. yeah. I certainly hope so. And there are just two quick reactions. I mean, the first is, I think completely agree with your point that so-called middle powers, and I realize that that term is, is quite capacious, but the rest of the world outside of the United States and China, they don't want to be caught up in a great power competition between these two countries. They don't want to be instrumentalized by either country as part of that competition. And also, I, for me, what has been sobering, and, and perhaps I'm betraying a certain naivete, uh, naivete here, um, I had thought at the beginning of this year that when, uh, when the health and economic toll of the pandemic had become quite apparent, and when this pandemic had, had been declared a pandemic and really was having global ramifications, my hope had been that it would elicit the kind of emergency cooperation between Washington and Beijing that we saw in the aftermath of the global financial crisis circa 2008-2009, and what we've seen instead is that the geopolitical fallout from this pandemic has actually brought the relationship to its lowest level, and that seems to be quite an ominous precedent. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that has had knock-on implications for multilateralism more generally. I think the failure of the United States to uh, and China to cooperate in you know, the United Nations and, and other settings or to compete in, in various uh, global venues for sort of exchanging blame has, has, you know, had ripple effects. And I think that, but I also think, you know, the, the flip side of looking at that is that there are, there are countries who have been interested in trying to pursue 
more multilateral approaches, you know, our European allies and allies in Asia and elsewhere who, you know, haven't, who have wanted to pursue more constructive approaches, but have sort of been stymied by the, the current strategic orientation, especially of the United States. But of course, uh, especially earlier on in the crisis, China was also, you know, also doing its fair share of assigning of blame, et cetera. But I think that that suggests to me that there still is an appetite for the kind of global cooperation we need to tackle this pandemic more effectively, as well as other transnational issues. And I, I'm optimistic that if we do see a change in the administration um, after the election, that, you know, there's the potential, as long as this new administration has the vision to to seize the moment for for that global cooperation to be rejuvenated, which will be only the more urgent, you know, as this pandemic won't have been resolved by then. And, um, I, you know, I hope they can seize that moment. Absolutely. And it seems that there's this disjuncture between rhetoric about deglobalization, decoupling, uh, move towards, you know, moves by various countries towards nationalist and, and protectionist impulses on the one hand, and the reality that transnational challenges are not going away. They are only going to increase the demand for global cooperation, institutional cooperation. And so there's a hope that if the United States and China aren't able to set aside or at least temper their bilateral frictions in the interest of global cooperation, that perhaps it may fall to other powers. You mentioned the European Union and, and some of our allies in Asia. It may fall to them to reinvigorate multilateralism and get us going uh, to tackle a, a very difficult agenda of global challenges. Yeah, and I think this is where, you know, the incoming, if, if, if Biden wins the election, I think that, you know, his administration's instinct will be to work with allies. And I'm hopeful that that instinct will guide them in the right direction, um, but in a way that's also inclusive of China, because we can't accomplish what we need to without working with them as well.